1: podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston, Executive Recruiter, Director of Recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And today, I am super excited because I have brought to you a very unique guest. So let me introduce him so we can get right to the meat of the conversation. Today, I have with me Dr. Pillay, author of The Seven Songs of a Successful Team. Dr. Pillay's expertise lies in helping teams become more productive using the neuroscience, get ready for this, of music. He helps organizations maximize their business results by increasing what he calls the profitable happiness. Born and raised in a war-torn African refugee village, he was named after Pelé of Brazil, the greatest soccer player on earth, whose influence spread across the globe. Dr. Pele internalized his namesake, Secret of Success, which was practice, and later transformed it, developing his unique skills in music, coaching, and inspirational speaking. And I think if I'm remembering correctly, I read somewhere that you were the District Six champion of public speaking with Toastmasters. Is that right? Welcome, Dr. Play. Absolutely. Thank you. What
0: a great introduction. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure <laughs> to be with you today.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for agreeing to be with us and working through our technology issues. I certainly appreciate it. Um, One of the things that I like to start with is kind of letting our audience know, because I'm a really big on getting our audience to network and build their connections. And I, you and I really met by accident.
0: Well, not really, but uh, I'll, I'll take that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're looking back and it's like, you commented on something I had done, I think. And I, and I started looking, I was like, I don't know this person. And I started checking into it. I'm like, oh, he is really cool. I have got to get to know him. And that's how we started this conversation and you're now a guest on my show.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Pleasure to be here.
1: Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. So let's dive right into it because you have such a unique approach to business coaching. Um, Tell us a little bit about your knowledge of the neuroscience of music and how it guides your business philosophy.
0: Okay, well, you know, the first thing I want to tell you is why it's not uh, an accident that we met. Um, okay you know, i actually I actually teach and coach as part of my business coaching practice. I teach and coach um, ways of marketing and uh, developing uh, business using things like LinkedIn and podcasting and writing books and things like that. so that's one of the things I do outside of the human resource and you know leadership development field. I actually work on marketing a lot, so we met because I have a sophisticated LinkedIn um, process,
1: if you will. <laughs> Interesting, yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah.
0: But um, you know, to your question about the neuroscience of music, you know, I feel like I should, I should you know, really just go way back to you know, what problems are we in this entire world trying to solve, right? We're trying to solve the problems of things like um, you know, in, in organizations, things like people working together um, in teams in order to, to produce some kind of profit for organizations. We're thinking about things like leaders who need to lead people toward a certain vision and a goal. And we have a common enemy, right? And that enemy is what I would call harmony, disharmony, that is, right? When there isn't harmony in an organization, um, you know, when people struggle to communicate, aren't working sort of in tune with each other, you get chaos, you get, you know, a a disruption of goals and people just don't achieve the things they wanna achieve. And it's happening every single day. Now, we're all in the business of trying to solve this problem, right? Those of us in the executive coaching field or an organizational development leadership field like I'm in, we all wanna solve that problem. But we come at it from different angles, right? So there's been a lot of psychology and different approaches to, to solving that problem. I happened to look around and I said to myself, you know, if I wanted to learn to fly, what would I do? I would go ask a bird. Right. I wouldn't ask Casey. I wouldn't ask myself because we don't know how to fly. Right. So I would go ask a bird if I wanted to learn how to fly. That's how the Wright brothers developed airplanes. They studied the the, the flight of birds. They went through scientific analysis of how that worked, And then they transferred that into airplanes. So I said to myself, if I want to solve the problem of harmony in organizations, who can I ask? Where can I get inspiration? And the answer is music because nature has already solved the problem of harmony in music. It's not the only place it solved that problem, but nature has really solved it very well in music. So I studied, you know, I'm a PhD, right? I'm a big research hack, right? That's what I do. So I went really deep into the research of how does music create harmony? How do our brains interpret the harmony of music? How do we know, for example, when music is off key or if a song is bad or if a song is good, What's going on? See, our brains, every split second, have these neurons that connect in specific ways that let us know if a certain frequency of sound works with another frequency of sound, right? So there are all these inbuilt rules in music that allows you know, for what we call harmony, the way our brains interpret it. So I studied that, I really became an expert on that. Besides the fact that I'm a musician, you can probably see my guitar and I write songs and all that stuff. But I went into the science, the neuroscience of music. And what I found was the most amazing parallel between the neuroscience of music in terms of its elements and the elements of a team. I found that there are seven elements of music. There are also seven elements that are very parallel if you talk about teams. So I studied why music works and I applied that to teams. And it's an amazing, amazing parallel that's happening. And that's why I wrote that book, The Seven Songs of a Successful Team. It's all about you know, bringing a kind of you know, uh, equality, if you will, um, between the levels and the, the things that music does to keep harmony and using that to help people in teams. Now, I come from traditional executive coaching. I do all the scientific research, the assessments, the leadership development, all of that stuff. But now when you apply it to this really elegant and beautiful way of thinking about it with respect to music, it becomes a whole different topic. So same problem, same kinds of solutions, but I'm bringing a flair with music that is not out there on the market today. It's a way of explaining it that brings a beauty that we can all understand. And that's, that's, the, that's the mapping right there.
1: I'm very curious, though, when you go in to teach teams
0: mm-hmm.
1: how to be in harmony, do you make them sing?
0: <laughs> that is one of the things we do. That's one of the things we do. Um, but we do that as, a, as a, um, a learning transfer mechanism. You know, one of the, I, I was once a vice president of uh, Dale Carnegie Training uh, here in Austin, Texas. And one of the biggest challenges to training is that when you teach people things, they will forget them. Okay. They, they, they will yeah. go back to work on Monday morning and start doing what they've always done. Go back to their old habits. It's just, you know, the training is notorious for having a low return on investment because of the loss of transfer. Right. And so music again, and this is why I'm so excited about it. Music is not just for entertainment or for therapy. Okay. Music is for training, learning transfer, because music is, proven and there's science and research about this to be the one thing we cannot forget. If you think back to how you learned your ABCs, you learned it to the tune of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Remember that, right? There's, there's no yeah. one on the planet no. that can, yeah, no one can say that they would ever, ever forget their ABCs because they learned it mapped to the rhythm and the, the, the melody of music, right? And so you can't forget that. And so I use music and writing songs with uh, uh, clients, not as uh, the direct thing that we're teaching. It's a metaphor for mo- for the most part, but we use it as the direct way of transferring what they learn into the workplace.
1: All right, Dr. Pillay, you believe that a profitable organization needs to be full of profitable happiness. Can you tell us what this Profitable happiness is and what it means and how an organization can foster it
0: okay great question casey so first of all if you think about any day that uh you or anyone you know has gone to work right you will probably hear people saying things like i'm not happy today Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not happy at work. And b- believe it or not, they are not alone. There's an epidemic uh, in the world of stress. $300 billion is spent every year trying to manage stress in organizations, right? Uh, when it comes to engagement and people being connected to what they do, there's like, what, 80-something people who are saying to Gallup, you know, Gallup's research, that they are, 80-something percent are saying that they are not engaged at work. They're not happy with what they're doing. They're not enthusiastic and so on and so forth. So when we talk about the problems of organizations, one of the biggest ones that we we have right in front of us is people just want to be happy, right? And, and, And there are proven methods for achieving happiness, right? Especially when you consider that happiness is not just a feeling. Happiness is actually a skill. Happiness is actually something you do. So if you say, hey, I am happy, that's the wrong thing. You should be saying, I got happy because I I went and got it. I I achieved it. That's why I wrote a song, actually. It's on my website. It's called I Got Happy. It's the first song you hear. Okay. Now, we're not talking about the kind of happiness that comes and goes. You know, it's oh, I feel it today. I don't feel this more. No, 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 We're talking about the kind of happiness that you create by actions and it puts you in a zone of the greatest possible productivity that you can ever have. And it's a happiness you can, you can identify it. If you've ever been in a feeling or a flow where you just loved what you were doing, this was it. You're just happy and you were probably doing a really good job at that point. So the reason I call the kind of happiness that we're talking about profitable is because it's the kind of happiness that allows employees to be in the right state of mind to create profitable teams that will create profitable organizations. And so that's what I mean by profitable happiness.
1: I love that. So I love to bring in unique people into my organization for that very reason. And so Mm -hmm. I just wanted to share one of the unique people that I brought into my organization to do a Lunch and Learn was a certified laughter coach. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) that works yeah and and her she she did uh, laughter uh, yoga with us but Mm -hmm. she was um, you know one of the great things and you probably know this is that when you laugh your brain doesn't know if you're laughing for real or for fake it reacts the same and produces the same endorphins and like you just said when you're happy it increases your productivity and that was the point of the laughter meditation. And it was, it was a huge hit with my team. I highly encourage it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, people, you know, when people say happiness, uh, you know, I mean, there's workplace happiness consultants and there's a whole culture around happiness right now, and that's good. But I really want to distinguish between the kind of happiness that is flighty and comes and goes and the kind of happiness that you create yourself through specific actions and the kind of happiness that puts you in that mind, mindset for productivity. So I have five steps that actually produce uh, the, that happy state, but we can talk about that later.
1: <laughs> oh, we can talk about that now. I love that. Do you mind?
0: Oh, sure. Well, I mean, and, and and again, anything I say to you, right? I didn't invent it. I'm a researcher, okay? Right. Um, based on studying the entire, you know, field of positive psychology, which is my expertise. Um, I boiled down my own acronym, you know, there are others, of course, but my own acronym for how people can be happy. And it it boils down to H-A-P-P-Y, right? Of course. (laughs) So my my invention is I made it simple, right? You can remember that happy, right? So the first thing you got to do, and you have to do this every single day, okay, is you have to focus, spend some time to focus on the head and the heart, right? You know, Some people call that mindfulness. Some people call that meditation or heedfulness. Give yourself some time to really reflect internally, okay? We're not just this external thing. We are an internal thing too. So you got to listen, right? So that's the first thing. Focus on the head and the heart, H. The second thing you have to do every day is practice your A, your appreciation muscles. There's nothing like showing gratitude or severing the moment. If you learn and practice that skill, the ability to be appreciative of little things and big things, I have a song on my website called Thank You. Check that out. You will get what I mean. Appreciation is a, it's the most, it's the, it's a magic pill because you can feel terrible, but then you find a way to show gratitude either to yourself or to someone else, and all of a sudden everything changes. So that's the A. The third skill, I call it just practice. Because it, it takes a lot of work, but what you're practicing is optimism. Now, a lot of people, myself included, are naturally not optimistic, right? We're really? pessimists. Oh yes, when I do really? yes, when I do my tests, every test I ever have ever done, I've done several of them, I, I show up as a pessimist. And that, that just goes to, but nobody would ever call me that because I no. practice, I practice optimism all the time. I smile, I put on a smile, I, I, I enforce the smile <laughs> if I have to. Um, but if you don't practice optimism, you can't be resilient. When adversity shows up, you're, you're going to just struggle. I have a saying that life is not hard. A lot of people think life is hard. Life is H-A-R-D it's how adversity reveals destiny. So you have to develop the skill of taking adversity, taking whatever comes, flip it, and become resilient, optimistic, but it's practice, that's all it is. So that's the third P. The fourth P is people. Focus on building community. Um, show generosity so that you can, you know, grow a network of, of people. None of us, we, we're not islands. You've got to have quality people in your life. In the same way, you've got to take away the people that are toxic, right? You know, you know that yeah. old script. Absolutely. So, so it's a big focus on practicing adding and removing the right, you know, making sure you have the right kind of people. And the last why is yes. Say yes. Always say yes. Um, you know, in my past, I've produced, now anyone who's, this is going to date me, but in 1987, I had a Billboard Top 50 record with Alexander O'Neill. That was my music career back in Minneapolis. I was producing all those guys and did, got to the height of that career. Went off and did another thing, um, you know, uh, in the corporate world, vice president of this and that and these big corporations, did that, left that, became an entrepreneur, broke all the, all the... Whatever the ceilings are for the figures that people boast about, it, did, did, done that, done that, okay? Why? Because I refuse to accept no. I say yes every single day. Ever since I was a child in a war-torn African you know, refugee camp, you know, when, when the bombs were falling and we were thinking of dying and not having any food and the flies were buzzing around us, right? That was me, right? And your mother still smiling. Uh, yeah, my mother would <laughs> smile. She would smile in the face of that adversity, and she would sing and tell stories about food. I have all these songs that my mom wrote back however many years ago about food, and I still remember those songs, and whenever I sing those songs, I'm happy again. So whatever it is that makes us happy, it's a thing we do. It's not a thing we feel, and when we're happy, we're successful. That's the bottom line.
1: That is beautiful. We could just probably like mic drop in, in the podcast <laughs> here. That was amazing. Um, and I wanted to ask you, because I did see a song on your website called Mama Soup. Yeah. Is that that's to your mom? Yeah, yeah, check
0: that one out. Mama Soup is all about how my mother would sing for us about soup, which we didn't have. But you know what? The power of, of, of happiness and joy can eradicate hunger even to some degree yeah. it can it can eradicate fear you know maslow you know you've probably heard of maslow's hierarchy mm-hmm. everyone talks about that but they've totally misunderstood it because they think that the hierarchy says first you got to get your material needs met before you can slowly get to the point of you know self actualization or happiness i in my book the the seven songs of a successful team i turned that model upside down and i found research that shows you can actually choose to be happy first even before you have all your needs met. And the, the fact that you've chosen happiness and you're practicing the skill of happiness will drive you to meet your needs. It's an amazing, total upside down way to look at Maslow. Um, but you know we have to choose happiness or else we won't find, it's not success first, then happiness. It's happiness first, then success.
1: I, I agree with you and I've had um, just recently, probably over the last couple of years, kind of had that shift of mindset and I can't tell you the number of doors that have opened up for me, Because of that, you know, because I walk into a room and I'm happy. I'm not Miss Positivity all the time, but I'm genuinely happy and people like to be around happy people. That's right. I haven't quite got the smiling all the time down. I'm working (laughs) on that one. (laughs) So, so this leads us to a really good question. So how can an employer identify employees that are not happy and how can they take steps to address this? So the whole team is not affected.
0: Yeah. So, what employers need to do is they need to adopt what we call a coaching culture. Okay. Mm-hmm. A coaching culture is a culture in which leaders, uh, HR executives, whoever, they become coaches, if you will. And what does a coach do? A coach knows how to ask great questions. A coach knows how to listen. A coach knows how to display empathy. Why are we doing all this? Because we want to begin to have conversations that create trust that create truth, okay? Once you have conversations that can create trust, once you have an environment of trust and empathy, you will know which employees are not happy and which employees are very happy because people will be themselves. Um, So so the first step is really, employers need to go learn how to communicate. And and the way to do that is to become a coach to your employees, not just a manager or a leader, become a coach, develop a coaching culture.
1: So when you say, I'm curious, when you say develop a coaching culture and I can think of one um, incident or not incident, I can think of one example that I'm thinking of, where, how do these people become coaches? And this is a little off topic and I'll tell you why I'm asking here in a second, because yeah. I just remembered why, what, how we met, yeah, yeah, <laughs> what okay. you commented on. Yeah. So um, do you recommend that companies send their people to formal coaching schools? What, what's your recommendation there?
0: I recommend that leaders go through um, learning that involves learning how to be a coach to their subordinates. Okay. So I I do recommend that they get, uh, understand what coaching means because Mm -hmm. if if you have a culture in which um, most people, okay, at the leadership levels know how to get the best out of their employees, that's going to be the best possible culture of, of trust and open communication and psychological safety and, and those kinds of things. And you can't just invent that. You got to learn how that's done. So coaches have approaches, right? So mm-hmm. for example, if you think about music or basketball, a coach, you know, is on the sidelines and, and they, 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 they know how to communicate in such a way that they can get the best out of their team members. Right. Yep. Well, in the corporate space, you know, the tools you have are really communication tools um, it, it's the way you show up. It's the way you you, you encourage and empower people. Um, so coaching as a culture becomes a way of creating an open, psychologically safe culture where people can be themselves. And that's how you'd know who's happy, who's not. And then if someone's not happy, you can help them find a better job or a better fit that will allow them to use their strengths. You know, there's one, there's one uh, little known approach to creating to reducing stress and increasing happiness. It's called use your strengths. <laughs> A lot of people have strengths that they're sort of bottling down and keeping under the table because they don't want to disturb anybody, right? Allow right. those people to blossom. Let them use look. When I was in the corporate world, I, I I've always done music, right? Music is my it's that's who I am. I am music, as Prince once said. I don't just play music, I am music. So when I was in the corporate world, I was never allowed to just bring my guitar to work. That's crazy, right? So what happened is I was never happy. I was never, I was under stress because I couldn't bring those creative aspects of me. You know, the, 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 the spontaneity of songwriting and all those kinds of things. They were totally under the desk. I had to crunch numbers and do things like that. When I left that world, I still wasn't happy because even as an entrepreneur, I was trying to sell things and I wasn't selling my music. Only recently have I finally found the marriage of music and science and business. And that's why I wrote the book, The Seven Songs of a Successful Team. That book brings my music right into my leadership development and coaching and my team coaching. And I am the happiest person on the planet because I wake up, I have my recording studio upstairs, I got my book here and I have my clients talking to me and we're doing music <laughs> and they're paying me, right? And we're, is- doing, and we're doing psychological assessments like the Hogan and the Berkman and all the you know, EQ stuff. It, it's, a, it's, as, it's as scientific as anybody else, but the music brings that level of passion everyone can, can relate to. So that's cool.
1: That is very cool. The reason I asked that question is because I recently became aware of the importance of coaching because, you know, we were in the recruiting space and so many of my clients were telling me that they were having issues with their teams and that they needed someone to come in and speak to this or come in and, you know, help build a better team. And so I, you know, was referring out to local coaches. um, And then I really started thinking and I was like, I need to go be a coach. And that's what you commented on was when I updated my LinkedIn that I yeah. started IPAC. So I'm so glad that finally came back to me. I was like, how did he find me again?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so we all know that teamwork and synergy is essential to the completion of an important project or initiative. And this starts, you've talked about this starts with harmony. Um, and but can you dig into that a little bit deeper about the harmony and how you use that to build those better teams?
0: Okay. Great point. So the first thing you should know is that, um, you know, anything I say, I want you to recognize that it's, it's, it's real and it's based on science. The, 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 the stretch, the artistic thing I'm doing here is I'm simply finding that the elements of a team are very parallel to the elements of music. So I'm just using it as a metaphor. So let me, let me explain what, what I mean by that in music, harmony is enforced okay because there are certain principles that each element of music has to abide by so what are the elements of music elements of music are things like what we call pitch timbre rhythm melody harmony texture and form now if you're not a musician don't worry but that's what it is okay and our brains interpret each level of those, those, those elements to produce harmony. So one of the rules is that you can't, have, uh, you can't have timbre unless you have pitch. So if you don't have a pitch, timbre is meaningless. You can't have a rhythm unless you have pitch and timbre, right? For example, I'll give you an example. If I do this, that, that's a pitch, that's a sound and it has a timbre, but it has no rhythm. So it's not music, but if I do this, Yeah. I see you shaking your head, right?
1: That's music.
0: You're, you're thinking, (laughs) right? There you go. So we've just, we've, we've just demonstrated that rhythm cannot exist unless you have pitch and timbre. And it's the same thing. Melody cannot exist until you have pitch, timbre and rhythm. And finally, when you have all those things, then you can have harmony. So music enforces those rules. Now on a team, it's the same thing. The first element of a team that you have is at the individual level and it's called personality. I need to know who you are, you need to know who I am. We gotta kinda, our personalities have to work together, right, that's the first thing. The second element of a team, which is parallel to the timbre, is strengths. You gotta use your strengths and they've gotta be unique and they have to be different from mine, right? If, if I don't have a unique strength, we're going to clash. You know, it's all like strengths are important and they have to be unique. The next thing is emotions. We all have them, it's our energy in motion. Now, all of these things are parallel pitch to personality, timbre to strengths. The definitions are almost identical. It's amazing. So, what happens is if you don't have an understanding of people's personalities and strengths and how they respond to emotions, you can't build a cohesive vision for the, for the team. And if you don't have any of those things, you can never have trust. Right. And if you don't have trust and if you don't have any habits that bring people together, your team will not be in harmony. And so all of these rules are mapped to create harmony. You've got to have one before the other or else the structure will break down. That's how you you produce harmony on a team. You make sure you do assessments, scientific assessments of people's personalities, scientific assessments of people's strengths, their emotions. You make sure that people have vision right? That is shared, not mm-hmm. my vision and your vision, our vision, right? You make sure trust exists because of psychological safety. All of these things have to happen in a sequence. And it's when they happen in a sequence that you have harmony on a team. And with harmony, you can produce the results you
1: want. That is beautiful. So when you go into a company to mm-hmm. help them find their harmony, can you give us mm-hmm. an example of what that workshop might look like?
0: So a lot of people in companies have focused almost exclusively on what they want to achieve, okay? They want to get 60% increase in market share. Or they want to get $5 million in this or that. But they've completely dropped the ball on who is going to achieve those things. So when I go in to talk to, to companies, I start them from the who. And what do you first do when you're thinking about who a person is? You get some psychological assessments of their personalities right so we start with the personalities of the people on the team we measure that we understand it we get some graphics and some data and we can talk about personality and we have open conversations not only about the personality strengths but also about about the things that are blind spots what are the things that you can't see that you're doing every day that is making this team go crazy right right it all shows up in the data. i'm sure i have some of that it, it (laughs) (laughs) it shows up in the data so I flipped the script from what to who. So we do the psychology assessments for personality. We understand people's strengths. We discuss how emotions work and how people respond to emotions. And we we, we do exercises that help them sort of see what's happening or what's not happening. And then we begin to talk about vision, where we want to go, what we want to do. And we create the psychology and the trust that will allow us to develop the habits that'll help us get there. All those things I've talked about are the seven elements of a team. So we go through the elements one by one.
1: And are those elements detailed in your book? Which,
0: they're all, by the way, they're all well, in my what
1: book. I just yeah. got. Oh, I, my goodness, you got a copy. That is so cool. I, I am so impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed. Thank you. it, yeah, it took forever to get here.
0: Yeah. Amazon will do that nowadays, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, so tell us a little bit more about the book, why we should read it, who should read it. I mean, can any... Anybody read it or, you know, just people that have teens? Well, actually, it's it's told
0: as a parable. Um, I believe that all, you know, I, I've taken all the scientific stuff and I've put it aside and it's in the very back of the book. Okay. Most, of the book par- a, most of the book is a parable. It's a story, a very simple parable about a, a gentleman who is a leader of an organization and who begins to learn about building teams from a very unlikely source. An African Bushman he meets on a plane (laughs) teaches him how music is parallel to teams. And through that metaphor and through that conversation, um, a lot of different things happen in his organization and he ends up realizing that he's really got something powerful here. And so when you talk about how we would explain this to people and, and who it's for, It's really for anyone who wants to achieve better results and they're sick and tired of the same old, you know, um, you know, in and out of consultants and in and out of coaches and and the results aren't sticking. People aren't remembering, they're not going back to work and doing what they, they, they learned, right? You want something that'll help them stick, lighten up the mood maybe. So what I've really done is I've taken the science and I've sprinkled entertainment music. And um, if you will, the, sci- the neuroscience of music on top um, of, of, of the reality that we have to still do some scientific assessments, okay? So it's more fun, it's more engaging, and it really allows people to see their lives in a way they, they never saw themselves before. You know, what I'm really saying is you are a song, and I'm a song, and we're all singing a song with our actions and our behavior and our thoughts, and the universe is interpreting whether or not that's a good song or not whether it's a, with, if we're off key or not. And the universe is the marketplace, right? So if, if you and I are not being a good team, we're going to fail in the marketplace. And so just as you and I can hear a bad song immediately, the marketplace can hear a bad team immediately. And so we tune up and make sure that you guys are successful. That's, that's the general approach that I take. I take a parallel music and teams. They, they go hand in
1: hand. That is such an amazing analogy, and I love how you call the universe the marketplace. That's awesome. <laughs> um, okay, so really quickly, um, I want to run through our VIP questions because we ask these of everybody, and mm-hmm. I always love to hear the different answers that I get. So, my okay. first VIP question are you ready? Are you scared? You are scared. Okay, if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you?
0: Okay, very quickly, I would take my family. Okay. And I know you I know you said just three things, but I got to take my family. I'm not taking my wife without my kids. Okay. So I'm taking my team. Okay. <laughs> so that's A gonna team. be the that's one, one thing, thing is, yes, that's, that's one thing my, my support system. We all have to find the thing that keeps us alive, that gives us energy, right? So for me, that, that's number one. Number two is I'm going to take my guitar, okay? Because if I'm not playing my guitar and singing a song, I don't care if it's on Mars or where it is, I will not be a happy person. I have to express that. So I'll take my guitar. I'll take my team. And the last thing I'll take is something that will remind me of the spirit within us all. Okay. You know, a lot of us go around living like our five senses can see mm-hmm. everything there is. No, that's not the truth. There are, there are senses beyond us that we don't have. I, I, I humble myself and appreciate, even if I don't know the name of it, I know that I'm more than just this physical person. So I'm going to bring reminders or a reminder that I am a spiritual thing and I'll take that with me. Uh, so it's my team, it's my music, and it's my sense of humility as a spiritual person who's just here temporarily.
1: I like that a lot. I really do. Those are good. And, and I'll <laughs> give you a pass that you'll lump your family in as one team. So. <laughs> I had to get away with something, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty sneaky. Um, yes. Okay. Yes. And I'm really interested to hear what your answer to this next question. So what is one thing you do each day to set your day up for success?
0: You know, what's interesting is I already told you that it's, it's the happy formula. Yeah. I go through my happy. I have a checklist H a P P Y I do my mind. I do my mindset, you know, my, my heedfulness, my head, my heart, I go into appreciation mode. I begin to practice, I focus on people. I make sure I do something along those five uh, lines every day. And then I say yes to myself, consciously. When when the no starts to come in, I have a song called, Who Are You? When you hear those voices in your head telling you, you're not good enough, you're bad, you're this. You just say, who are you to tell me that I'm bad? Get out of here. Yes,
1: I'm good just say yes to everything
0: um so that's what i do every day um so it's it's more than one thing it's actually five things if you will
1: i love that and it's so interesting that you said that because we're having to identify our limiting beliefs right now in one of the exercises that i'm doing and they call it the gremlin and so we're having Mm. to do a visual representation of our gremlin and i came up with the name for mine it's called telly and Mm. but and i can't say the word but there is a condition. For not thinking you're good enough, there's a there's a word for it. Do you know what it is?
0: Mm. No, like a
1: telephobia or something. A tele something. So anyway, that's why my little gremlin is called Telly.
0: Telly. Well, hey, you know, I, I I think as long as it helps you focus on the positive, right? Because as you know, whatever we focus on grows. So if you right. focus on the negative, it'll be negative, you know, it's like, Hey, if you think you can't do it, you can't. <laughs> so exactly. if you think you can, you exactly.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What is it? Uh, Henry Ford said, if you think you think can, you're right. Henry... If you think you can't, you're right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was Henry Ford. That's right. <laughs>
1: yeah. All right. So one more question for you and I appreciate your time so much today. I've really, really enjoyed mm-hmm. the conversation. Um, if Same your with... life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? Hmm. War zone
0: kid named after Pele couldn't play soccer to save his life, but he got a, he, he 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 got something right when he went to music.
1: <laughs> I love it. You know,
0: something like that. War zone kid finally gets it right when he realizes that if he can't play soccer, at least he can play music and he can do something else. <laughs>
1: that is so awesome. That is so awesome. I think. How do people- I think
0: the bottom line. You no, know, I was going to say, I think the bottom line of what I'm trying to say is, I I I think I started out as low as, as low as you can start out. And I got really lucky because my dad gave me a name like Pele, because I realized that excellence is actually a goal in and of itself. And even if I couldn't do soccer, I was going to go find excellence somewhere else. <laughs> and that's what I've done all my life.
1: <laughs> I love that. That is such a great answer and such a big name to live up to. But it looks like you're doing it very, very well. So, you
0: Thank know, you, congratulations
1: thanks. to you for that. For sure. Thank you. So how do people find you?
0: Uh, Best way to reach me, one place, it's my website and that is drpele.com. And um, of course, if you go to Amazon and you're able to get my book, The Seven Songs of a Successful Team, that's another way into my little ecosystem. I've got software that helps people run their teams. Um, we've got all kinds of assessments that we do for teams from the scientific to the musical. It's just a, a, a bunch of stuff, but it's, it all, all starts from my website, com. And
1: that's P-E-L-E, Dr. Pillet. Yep. So, and it's, I'm yeah, excited. D
0: R P D R P E L E dot ecom
1: Right, right. So I'm excited. Like I said, I just got my book yesterday. I ordered it like two weeks ago and I was hoping to have it read before we met today and it just didn't work out, but I'm about to dig into it. Cause I just finished the book. So thank you so much for spending time with us today and dealing with the technology and all that good stuff. I really appreciate it. And I just have one more thing to say to you. Yeah. You are a VIP. Ah, oh, thank you so much. And I
0: have one thing to say to you. You're okay. a great interviewer and you, and you, you do have a great smile. I you said you're not good at the smiling yet. You do, you are smiling great, but you're, you're a great interviewer. Thank you for making me feel comfortable and sharing.
1: And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the, we are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.